Because if I'm flexible and I know I don't know everything, then I can have capacity to understand, okay, that might not be right and I need to unlearn it and relearn something else or relearn a new process or have a new understanding. I've managed in a predominantly African-American community in town, a predominantly white community in town, and a mixed community in town. How many times have I had to rethink, relearn, unlearn different processes, procedures, how I manage, how I present myself a ton? You can't really be good at what you do, or at least this is me, for me, if I'm not making adjustments to myself. Empower You podcast is devoted to bringing real world wisdom and encouragement to our listeners, fans, subscribers, and friends. We talk about a multitude of life principles and the process from an economic, societal, and cultural perspective. We believe that in tough conversations and shared wisdom, we can pave the path and leave a ladder for the future. So subscribe to our channel, rate, review, and let us empower you. What's up, friends? If you're anything like me, you realize that eating healthy meals supercharges your productivity and gives you a clear mind so that you can solve more problems at work or in your business. Smile More Meal Prep Service lets you choose from a variety of healthy food options that will fit your dietary needs while putting a smile on your face so you can stop stressing about eating healthy throughout the week and buying lunches because Smile More Meal Prep has got your back. And if you use the promo code EMPOWER, you'll receive 15% off your order. So click the link in the show notes, order your healthy, delicious meals, relax, and smile more. Welcome to Empower You Podcast. My name is Kibway Cooper. Thank you all so much for being here. Today we have a very, very special episode with an incredible person. Um, but before we reveal who that is, I want to talk to you just a little bit about what we'll be discussing today. So on this podcast, I think it's very important that we explore the angles, right? The perspectives of each topic. And so generally, more times than not, I will have a woman and a man um, speak, give their opinion, their life experience on a specific topic. And the reason why is because Unless, you know, uh, maybe this is not your opinion, but I believe that everyone's journey is different. And so hearing from people who share or may share some of your similar struggles, setbacks, mindsets um, is very, very important. And I think the differences between men and women um, are very, very real. And the way that each one of us navigates life is different. And so today we'll be talking about is school necessary, which is a topic we covered uh, in a previous episode with Aaron Robles. But today we have the executive director of the Jackson Lehman uh, YMCA, the, an educator, a community volunteer. She's on numerous boards, a mom, a wife, a coach, Miss Tabitha Irvin. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so, so, so much. I know you're super busy and I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Ready, ready to dive in. All right. All right. So um, 
our conversation is going to be around, you know, whether school is necessary. So before we start to dive into that, can you talk to us just a little bit about your experience with education uh, and what you're doing now in your profession? Perfect. So I actually, I'm one of those people, if you send me the questions ahead of time, I'm going to do my own personal research. So I actually gave my mom a phone call because I had my answer all prepped. And I was like, let me ask her really quick. I grew up in a household where education was pushed pretty hardcore. Uh, I knew that we were all supposed to go to college. I'm the oldest of three. Um, my dad had some certificates and certifications, but no formal college education. And then my mom had a little bit of college education, but after she started having us, she kind of took a pause. And so I just remember the conversation always being about education. Um, I remember being asked what I wanted to be early in my life. Uh, and so we grew up in a household where that was just really important to her. And when I asked her why that was important to her, she just felt like, so my mom will be 70 this year. So she grew up, my grandmother was from the South and she grew up where her parents didn't have pretty much any education, probably past high school. And so in her mind, knowledge and information would drive us to be the best people we could be on the planet. So that was her perspective. Uh, so in terms of education, that was my experience growing up. Now, um, I am a district executive director with the YMCA. I do lots of coaching, teaching, training, mentoring. I'm not formally a teacher anymore, but I look at my work as teaching uh, because I'm a leader, uh, because I'm an influencer. And so I look at my work as I'm still in a teacher type mode. And even though my mom is about to turn 70 this year, she still teaches in Pontiac, Michigan. She's a special education teacher. And so I think teaching is in my blood and, and um, I have a really good experience with education as I've grown up. Wow, that's incredible that, you know, it's very interesting to me that especially in um, in black households that I've experienced, how important it is that your kids, your children have as many tools as necessary. And so oftentimes we associate them having tools and access with them having education. And so that's why I think this conversation is really, really interesting because your education and, and, and your environment dictates what career you want, dictates the path that you choose in life. Um, and so my, my question to you is, what was the earliest thing you remember wanting to be for a career? So I almost started, I almost started going into this in my first answer, <laughs> so I'll answer it now. I remember when we were little kids and we had to be, I'm the oldest and we are stair steps. So we probably had to be six, five and three or you know, seven, eight, and five, because we're right back <laughs> to that. I remember my mom asking us what we wanted to be that early. And oh, so wow. I think I remember at some point I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and then as I grew, I think I wanted to be, I wanted to be a nurse, an engineer, a teacher. What I found out, because you probably look and think, well, wait a minute, how does her job apply to any of those? I found out at some point that I wanted to help and serve people. And so what happened is I found out what I was passionate about, not just the job that I wanted to do or what I thought I wanted to be in life. And so that changed the game for me. And that didn't happen until I was in my twenties when I figured out what I was passionate about. And then that helped propel me into nonprofit leadership type work. Mm. 
That's really interesting. And that's a very, I'm so glad you said that because those are very different perspectives on it. Like, you know, wanting to be a teacher, wanting to be a nurse, but your desire is to serve people. And that is a really um, good distinction because I think sometimes we can get caught up in what titles look like and we forget what the actual passion of that of that industry or of that position is. And I think it's great that you identified that all of those other things are not necessarily what I want. I just want to be able to connect and serve people, which really opens up a lot more opportunities to you when you take that off of that. You know what I'm saying? Which I think is really, really cool. Um, So were you a good student? Did you like school a lot? Um, You have some you had some high aspirations uh, for for career choices, which I would never wanted to be a doctor. I never I couldn't even imagine doing any of that. So I think that just says that you must be very, very intelligent. Well, thank you. Um, (laughs) I I was again being the oldest of three um, pros and cons. My mom was a driver. She was the driver in the house. I grew up in a house where my parents were married. And so two parent household, three kids, your average, you know, Bill Cosby type family with less kids. (laughs) I was growing up, we were kind of considered middle class, whatever that was, because I don't even know if that exists anymore. But we were somewhere in the middle. Like we grew up in a black neighborhood, but we went to private schools. We went to a black church, that kind of thing. So, yes, I was a good student. Um, I think because I wanted to be, but also because my mom had that pressure going on. And so I was a good student, National Honor Society, ran track, played basketball. Wow. Definitely thought I knew, like, I'm going to college. That's the goal. That's what I'm doing. I don't know that I thought anything beyond that at that point um, in my, you know, growth or time in high school. Wow. That is, yeah, you, you, your mom's not going to have no no dumb kids. She said, uh-uh, we're not doing that. All of y'all going to get it together. I love that. So what do you feel like has been, uh, what was the biggest push for you when you realized that I don't necessarily want to be a nurse or a doctor. I want to serve people. What do you feel like really tripped that, that, that understanding about yourself? So my first two years in college, I started at um, University of Michigan, go blue. Um, and I was just a young student at Michigan, you know, with everybody else with a 4.0. Because when you get into Michigan, everybody has a 3.5 or above at that time. And so everybody's super smart. And so I worked um, as an engineering intern for a couple summers for Delphi which was connected to General Motors and they built parts for General Motors. So that's what I wanted to be an engineer. And I discovered that engineering was boring and I didn't want to just sit at my desk. And so one summer I shadowed the plant manager. So that means I was in the plant with the plant manager all summer, talking to all the people, learning about them, breaking the parts and where it went and how they made it. And that was the moment where I realized I want to be in a job where I'm connecting with people talking to them, serving them, helping them, etc. So after that, my mom got in a car accident. And so I had to pause school for a moment and go home and support. And then when I went back to school, I kind of changed everything up and started looking at public administration with a focus on nonprofit management and leadership. And so that is where the change happened in that engineering um, internship for two to three summers in a row. I discovered like, yeah, this is not what I want to do. So that's how that happened. Oh wow! 
are there any stories or any people who you feel like particularly impacted you at, at that plant? Um, any moments where you were like, wow, you know, uh, this is this is super gratifying being able to help in this way. Um, because I think for for a lot of us, you know, we have these realizations and then there's these confirmation moments where everything just feels right. You know, what were some of those uh, moments like for you, you know, before, you know, your mom got into an accident and you had to pause, you know, that really started to stir you a little bit there. Like, what were some of those those stories that you felt like impacted you and, and gratified your desire to want to serve people? So there was a black lady that worked at Delphi. Kim Will is her name. Uh, we are actually connected on Facebook now. Um, she's an AKA. I'm a Delta. She used to be in Jack and Jill. I'm in Jack and Jill now. But I remember her being one of the only black people in the office. And so she took me under her wing as an 18, 19, and 20 year old African-American female trying to figure out if I wanted to be an engineer. She was an engineer, obviously, and so was her husband. But she took me under her wing in a lot of different ways. And I think that was my first black female in leadership, you know, outside of my mom, who we all, you know, look up to my mom. But that was the first time and the first person where I was like, oh, this is good beyond my high school years. Cause I went to school in Pontiac, Michigan, which was very diverse. So I had black teachers, white teachers, Hispanic teachers, Asian teachers. So I had that experience, but she just took me under her wing. She coached me, she mentored me. And at the year that I spent managing in that plant in Vandalia, Ohio, I remember all these details because it was so important to me. I just remember the staff connections that I had, the smiles, their excitement telling me what they were making and why. And I was like, okay, I don't know that I want to be an engineer, mechanical, sitting at a desk, making things or drawing things up. I want to be out here with the people. And at that point, I didn't know if I wanted to be a plant manager or not. I just knew that I loved that much better than what I was doing on the engineering side in my internship. Mm. Mm. Did you feel a lot of pressure to to stay in, on your engineering track? from your parents oh, or from your peers? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, I don't remember feeling pressure. I mean, when, when I was younger, a lot of times we probably picked our degrees based on how much money you made, um, <laughs> yep. which is a mistake. Okay. I think that's a mistake now. But when I was younger, I didn't know as much about be passionate about something and go after that. You know, who teaches you that? <laughs> I, I mean, I... I feel like my mom might have said that here and there, but it was education, success, uh, get a college degree, get a job, you know, and then that whole American dream idea of house, car, wife, kids, all that business, which then you figure out your own path at that point. But I definitely don't feel like people spend a lot of time encouraging you to figure out what you like and what you're passionate about and find the job that matches that. I do remember a course I took at Oakland Community College um, when I was still in high school, I took a couple of community college courses and it was like a test that you took that matched what you liked in your passions with some jobs. But at that time, I don't know if I took that serious enough to be like, I don't want to be an engineer or a doctor. I want to be a nonprofit leader. Yeah. I want to be in the community. I didn't, I don't know if I knew that at that point. Did you see anybody in your um, growing up that was a part of nonprofits and a part of uh, leadership the way that you are right now? Or did you kind of figure that out for yourself? 
So we had community centers in my local area. And so I knew some of the leaders that ran the community centers. Most of them were men. Um, but I did have an opportunity to work at the summer, you know, as a youth, hanging out with kids, organizing youth programs. Now, at that point, I never thought that I would be doing that. But then once I switched my major and went back to school, which was only a year off, then when I started getting in with the community centers, I recognized I want to run my own center. I want to serve youth and people in the community. Wow, that's amazing. And you mentioned that, you know, you had two completely different experiences there because you have one, a lady who's doing what you thought you would want to be doing, but really helps you break out of this box, this track that you have for yourself and how you thought about yourself. And then you also have the the environment that you do want to serve in and it's predominantly male dominated, you know? So what was that like trying to figure out how that, how to get between those two? Because you're already breaking out of one mindset, right? Um, of, of thinking, this is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be an engineer. And if I and if I change that, like now I'm breaking into an environment where people don't even look like me. And there's not even that many females here. You know, so what was that? What were some of those conversations like? Did you talk to your mom at all? Did you, did you take any classes on um, just kind of like uh, male or female leadership styles, communication styles in order to prepare you for that? Because I just can't imagine you don't still run into certain personalities and things like that that could be um, either challenging, annoying, or just, uh, just, you know, cause you to say, well, listen, you know, I'm writing this path, not only for myself, but for others. And so I have to be diligent in making the, the, the vision plain because the next Tabitha and the next person who wants to do this is going to need these, going to need that, that, that community or at least that path already laid out for them. So what was the, what was a, a, a struggle that you had to overcome when changing your education and ultimately your whole trajectory? So it was predominantly male, which, you know, I don't think that I thought a lot about that until you asked me that question just now, to be honest, but I'm remembering my supervisors and remembering that they were all men. At that point, you know what? I don't know that I thought well enough to think through male, female dynamics. I was more like, there's youth in this community that needs support and they need leaders to run facilities for them to stay out of trouble, for them to stop killing each other, for them to figure out their path in life. We have to save these young people and these community centers or now YMCAs and still community centers are doing that in our communities. I don't know at the young tender age of 21 or wherever I was at <laughs> at that point, I had the capacity to be like, but a whole bunch of men are in charge and can I do this as a woman? I don't even know that at that point I had that thought. Now I will say currently being a black woman in leadership can be a barrier. That is real. But at 21 barriers, please. Like you <laughs> run the fence down, you know, you're running through the fence at 21. You're unstoppable. Most yeah. of the time, most of us are at that point in our life. I have learned as I have matured in my wisdom and experience that sometimes being a black woman in leadership is a barrier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I'm glad you said that because 
You know, I think our youthful enthusiasm is sometimes the protection that we need. You know, um, obviously you need guidance, which, you know, goes into the pivotal role that you play in community centers and throughout the community on the different boards that you serve. It's because, you know, the, your youth is a very tender time. You're very susceptible to different ideas. And so uh, you saying that you didn't even think about what could be a barrier is probably, um, I think it's awesome because, you know, when you really think about things and the challenges you may encounter, some of us get scared and we back away, even though that's our calling, even though we would be perfect for it. We just allow so many outside factors to influence the direction that we uh, choose to pursue with our lives. So do you think higher education, do you think um, school in general is necessary for these young black and brown kids, for young people in general? Do you think at this point in time, you know, they need to just operate in that bravery and in that passion? Or do you feel like they need to submit themselves to uh, academic environments that would help continue to groom them in one way or another? So I feel like this is very complex. Even when you emailed me this topic, I was like, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. So a couple of things. If you'd have asked me this question 10 years ago, I probably would have had a different answer that I'm going to give you today. Because as I gave you my background, I was in a household where although my parents didn't have college degrees, that was their number, like that was the drive. Like I'm, I'm one of three siblings who have, we have multiple degrees. You know, I have three degrees. My sister has two, my brother has one. He probably will get his master's at some point. He has a lot of certification. Like I'm in that family, you know? And because my mom was like, not playing about that. Now, would I have done something different? Maybe not me, but my sister always talks about she wanted to dance and be on Broadway and go to a HBCU and all these other things that she didn't get to do. And my brother wanted to go to culinary school and all these things. He is a chef, but he didn't go straight to culinary school. He went a different path. Now he has his degree and all these certifications, whatever. So I would say necessary is a subjective word. Um, I think that we all should do what God placed us on this planet to do. And we have to figure out what that is. And we have to be passionate enough and committed enough to discover that, right? Because if you get to a certain age and you haven't spent enough time committing to yourself to learn who you are and what you can deliver to the world and why you were placed here, then where, what are you doing, right? It's my responsibility to figure out why I'm here what I'm good at, what I'm passionate at, and then what employment, job, education, et cetera, connects to that. And then how do I serve the world? Now that is my perspective, but you're asking me. (laughs) I I feel like we're all placed here for some reason. And some, a lot of those reasons are outward to share with others, to do for others, to lead, to do all these things. And you got to find what that thing is. And then get your path going to get there. So that's my long and short answer to that is necessary is subjective. We should figure out where, what we are here for and what we are supposed to be doing and then take the path accordingly. So if that's education, you should go that way. If it's trades, you should go that way. If it's Broadway singing and dancing, you should go that way. Whatever your gift is and why you're supposed to be here, you should go in that direction. And that doesn't always have to include higher education. 
Mm. Listen, you were preaching there for a second, and uh, I want to recap on some of that. So one of the things that you said that I thought was so incredible um, was that you have to spend time learning what you're actually even passionate about, what you actually feel like your purpose is here in the world. And I think the conversation that we're missing, I think sometimes with young people, younger people than me, is what do you truly believe your purpose is? And have you spent any time asking yourself those kind of questions? Writing things down. Because what I've learned is that no amount of education satisfies your purpose yep and so it doesn't matter how many degrees are on your wall if you don't desire that thing it would just like be if you actually just followed through and became an engineer and now you're sitting at a desk all day you're highly successful but you're not doing what you're actually meant to be doing and i think over time that affects not only your life but the lives that you impact as well um, and so I think what you said as far as like young people need to spend more time with themselves, I think that's really, really big because right now, I mean, what is privacy at this point? Like everything is online. <laughs> everything is up for alternative interpretations. Everything, all, everything about your personality. Every You got all these tests that you can take that will tell you all these things about yourself. And, and the, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with those things but i think the inner dialogue and the relationship you build with yourself like what you're talking about is huge do you feel like you had to unlearn to figure that out or do you feel like learning like from your mentors and from um the people in your family helped you figure out uniquely who you are so i love this question too (laughs) <laughs> so I feel like I, I feel like life is a journey of learning and unlearning. Because I consider myself to be a lifelong learner and a person with a growth mindset, I'm going to always be learning something and taking in knowledge. There are even times where I feel bad because I'm receiving so much knowledge and people around me aren't. I've I've told this to like my mom before, like my sister, like I'm getting all this good information from wherever, from trainings, from church, from here, from there. And if other people around me aren't hearing anything, I have all this stuff and the person next to me has nothing. And what does that look like? So for me, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm always ingesting information, learning, putting it out, teaching, training, et cetera. But I'm also always on a journey of unlearning things too, because maybe my opinion changed, but because something is happening that's different. And so I need to unlearn some strategy or skill that I knew that I thought was appropriate, that is no longer appropriate. So I need to unlearn that and learn something else. And so I feel like life is a journey of learning and unlearning constantly. And you, as a person, me, I have to be cognizant of what goes where. So I know I'm always learning, but I have to be cognizant enough to say, Tabitha, you got to unlearn that. That's that's not right. You you got to upgrade your skills, sis. You have to do something a little different here. 
and that is old and crusty or whatever and you need to upgrade your knowledge on that so i personally feel life is a journey of learning and unlearning and you have to navigate what goes where wow you said so much stuff okay so (laughs) one i want to say you know for anybody listening I think it's very important that we express your opinions on things and your idea of who you are and what you're meant to do is going to change over time, right? Um, Because you mature in wisdom and experience. um, And so you learn more about yourself. And you you said holding those two things in in balance is so important like the learning and unlearning what has been super helpful for you to keep those two in balance because for me i can be very very passionate and um aggressive when i figure out what i want to do like it's very very difficult to convince me otherwise because once my mind is made up on something I'm okay if I take an L because I have to make sure that I follow through on this. Because if I don't, and it was a good thing, then I'll always regret it. I will regret less taking an L than I would of missing an opportunity. And so that's not maybe not the best option for people, right? Uh, you know, I'm a single man. I can do certain things that other people may not be able to do. So what would you say is a tool that you have used to help you um, stay balanced or at least to stay aware as you learn and unlearn in life? Thanks for listening to Empower You Podcast. I want to take a second and tell you about a service I've been using that has literally changed my life. Akita Ricks, the founder of SawyerScore.com, helped me erase negative items on my credit score, provided me a clear path to improving my credit, and raised my score by 100 points in the first 90 days. Like, whoa. The best part about all of this is all I had to do was follow instructions. Now, if you're like me and you need a credit bestie, you need to click the link below and schedule your absolutely free discovery call today. Tell them Kidboy sent you. So I'll give you sort of mine, but then also a little bit of what people can start to do if they're interested. Okay. So so let me say this about myself. I am a overthinker, overprocessor, think, rethink, think again, write it down, do it over. <laughs> Is that right? Let me think about it. I'm not sure why other than I've been you know, in my current career at the same organization for 14 years, I've worked at five different locations. I've had four different jobs. So I've almost had to recreate myself every five years or so. I've had to continue to grow and learn, but then I've also had to be like, okay, new title, new role. Who am I in this role? I'm still me because I got this job as her, but I got to grow. I can't be her over here and I'm over here now. So I've had to constantly overthink and process throughout my entire time here in Fort Wayne, which is 14 years. But my biggest, biggest two keys are being flexible and really knowing that I don't know everything. Because if I'm flexible and I know I don't know everything, then I can have capacity to understand, okay, that might not be right and I need to unlearn it and relearn something else or relearn a new process or have a new understanding. I have, as you know a little bit, 
I've managed in a predominantly African-American community in town, a predominantly white community in town, and a mixed community in town. How many times have I had to rethink, relearn, unlearn different processes, procedures, how I manage, how I present myself? A ton. You can't really be good at what you do, or at least this is me, for me, if I'm not making adjustments to myself. Now, this is how I work. Now, you can be who you want to be and stay the same, but for me, I have to grow and make adjustments to keep getting better. That's just a part of my life process. And so I would offer to people who maybe want to get into a habit of figuring out how to categorize things that they're learning or things that they need to unlearn is, I don't know everything and being flexible. I guess the first thing I think about is a conversation I had yesterday with my friend Matt, who may listen to this. We talk a lot about diversity and inclusion. Now he's a white male, I'm a black female. And a lot of uh, our conversations are about listening and understanding. And what he said to me yesterday is, if someone tells me something or I hear something three, four, five, six times, apparently they're right and what I believe is wrong. I mean, so that's a part of unlearning too, is having the humility enough to recognize that you don't know everything and that something could be wrong about what you think or believe. And so you possibly need to unlearn the thought or belief system to relearn something else. And I'm not trying to take this conversation to diversity and inclusion because you probably can do a whole series and topic on that. <laughs> but that's just an example, an easy way of people to think about learning and unlearning. When yeah. you think about diversity, inclusion, equity, racism, all those things, those are a lot of systems that people have to figure out how to unlearn and relearn. Oh, so that's, that's the best, big. that's the easiest example without going too far there because I know that is a whole nother conversation. That is big. You said flexibility and humility allow you to learn and unlearn and keep everything straight because neither one of these ideas are intrinsically you. They are constructs. They are systems you've learned to operate in. They don't make up you as a human being. I love how you differentiate um, Tabitha, right, from the roles that you play because those are are extensions of skill sets of knowledge base of wisdom of experience that tabitha has so in all of these instances tabitha has to be flexible and and humble enough to learn and unlearn without a whole lot of friction yeah i think that is that is so big because i think what happens especially um you know with high achievers is that our ego and our understanding that we are naturally good at something um or even when you're young you don't want to be told what your life has to look like and so your ego can stop you from being flexible and it can stop you from being humble enough to actually listen to um the advice or the wisdom that you're getting from someone i learned this concept the other day on a mastermind call and one of the things that he said was he said in a business you know um you go through like an s curve and so once you have momentum and things like that you'll reach a place even at a high end of business I mean, where your business is making millions of dollars right you'll reach this place where you can flatline because you don't know how to 
continue at this momentum and how to scale up from there. And one of the things, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm going somewhere with this, one of the things that he said was he learned that when you're in those spaces where you've already done certain things, you're very sure about certain stuff, he said, you have to learn to borrow someone else's 10,000 hours. Because they say it takes 10,000 hours to become really proficient at anything or really good. He said, I don't have 10,000 hours. So what I'll do is I'll either talk to somebody, hire a consultant, um, hire a coach, whoever it is that has that 10,000 hours. And so it enables me to leapfrog over whatever, you know, obstacles I would have gone through because I'm flexible enough to take their advice and borrow their 10,000 hours. And so when I hear you saying, you know, uh, about being flexible, about knowing who you are, about holding these things separate and understanding that there's no one way to do it. There's, there's, it's just a process of leavening one, one leveling one end of the other, you know, and I think about that and I think about the borrowing people's 10,000 hours, understanding that other people's experiences and things like that absolutely affect how effective you'll be in a role, in a job, in life. And so you have to take that in and sort it, you know? Are there some specific like books that you like to read or author series that you have? Have you written any books on this? Because this is a really, really, really interesting and important mindset to have as you're journeying through life. So I actually can't call any off the top of my head. I read a lot of different books. I'm actually sitting in my office area at home and behind me is my library of books. (laughs) If we were like on screen, I could turn the camera and you can see. I mean, I got the Disney Be Our Guest book right here. (laughs) I mean, I got all kinds of books back here. But the point is, A, I'm sure there's a book. B, I will write a book in the future. Absolutely. I haven't gotten to that, but that's definitely on my lifetime things that I want to do in my life list. Um, but these are just really concepts that I have personally curated for how I work, you know? And so these are just, I do some journaling. I do some writing again. I'm at my desk. So behind me are some of my journals over here. Um, so I do a lot of different I even tell my staff when I'm coaching staff about how to lead others, uh, write down what you want to talk about before you go into a courageous conversation with people. So I'm definitely that kind of person that spends a lot of time kind of processing all the things in my brain and trying to capture some of them. So obviously when you present me the questions, um, not to say that at some of this is just we're talking, right? But I did review the questions to myself because I'm a thinker that way and I want to make sure I thought through what are my answers or what would they be if these are questions that I have to answer. And so I, don't, I can't call any books specifically, but there are a ton of books that I love. I have a full library of books. I have books that are unread that I need to read. So I'm definitely a lifelong reader. Although at this time, I don't have a ton of time to read. One of my 2022 goals is to figure out a schedule for reading. Like, how many books can I read this year? Six? Four? Two? (laughs) I need to read some books. I have (laughs) books. 
on my iPad. I need to read them. I borrow concepts from books and highlight things, but I don't get through a whole book a lot of times. So nice, nice. That's but that's that's a part of that process of learning and unlearning and understanding how to apply information. So what do you think is one of the number one things that you would advise, um, whether it's a young person who's going into school or who maybe dropped out of school or uh, uh, an adult, you know, because right now in the pandemic, a lot of people are changing their careers. A lot of people are going back to school. A lot of people are trying to figure out what their next step is and is school a part of that? What's one of the number one things that... um, uh, the advice you would give somebody who's considering higher education or considering their career path or, or just listening and stumbling across this conversation for the very first time? Uh, so probably one main thing is how to manage the student loan debt and borrowing. Um, as, as great as it is to say, I have this many degrees or hang them on your walls. How many of us owe hundreds of thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars what 54 million people or whatever the numbers are at this point we can all google them because they're talking about it a lot because we're trying to get canceled um and so i would probably advise on what is the best way to go to school and pay for it what is the best way not to borrow 50 to a hundred thousand dollars and then in the future have to spend the rest of your career paying that off in small chunks you know not to de- you know discourage people from going to school but how do you navigate that what kinds of scholarships out there there are always a million scholarships that most people know nothing about you usually only hear about scholarships and awards and grants when you are first coming out of high school But let me just say that as an adult, there are tons of other types of scholarships for people that you just have to search and find them. Google is your friend when you are looking up that information. So that would be like my number one piece of advice. My, if I had to throw in another one, I would, I would say value that time because we all know that education is formal, right? And so not always a lot of life skills. But you still want to value the time that you are spending in the educational system, whatever that looks like for you. If you are choosing to go into higher ed, you know, education, into college, et cetera, value that time. You know, the time in college is precious. Whatever, as an adult, as a young person right out of high school, if that's what you're choosing to do, and value that time in your life. Because after that, it gets real. If you're coming right out of high school and even for adults, if you are looking to change your career, that takes faith and belief in yourself to change to something else. So value the time you're in that space because you're probably about to make some drastic moves that you're going to have to be super laser focused on and work really hard on. Yeah. And, 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 and even, and even to point back at what you said, you know, as far as like knowing who you are. And, and what your what you feel like your purpose is you know there's there's so much in in the things that you've said I feel like there's like I don't know I could probably pick this apart for days because it's just so valid and I feel like you know more times than not I don't think we trust young people or even ourselves sometimes to know what's best for us because we don't spend enough time with ourselves to know what we truly want we know we want a house we know we want a car we know we want companionship however that looks for you but 
who you are in that process, I don't think we ever talk about because our identity is based off of a material result. And I don't think that those are necessarily the same thing by any means. And that's why I think conversations around school are so important because more times than not, you know, we're pursuing a a path because we want a certain material result, not because we feel like that's truly what we want, you know? And then we restart many, many times in life trying to catch up to who we actually are trying to be. There you go. That is what happens when we change our major, when we change our career, the whole night. We actually start discovering, you know what? I want to do something different. I don't really love this. I want to do something that I'm more passionate about. So if we could get laser focused on that with our young people earlier, then they don't waste as much time as many of us have. Not to say that I've wasted time in my life because every moment of life is precious and valuable and a learning experience, right? But you could get to the whatever passionate thing that you're about and build your empire and do all the things and serve all the people quicker if you figure out and spend that time earlier. A lot of us have no idea. And, and don't get me wrong, I don't know whose job it is to help us do that, which is why I'm putting the onus, I'm putting the onus on, on us ourselves yeah. because our parents do a part of the job to a certain point, but they pour in. Hopefully they pour in to whoever you're supposed to be as an adult. And right. if you are in a unique situation and nobody poured in, then the world pours in and then you have to pour in yourself. But however that works, at one po- at some point, you then have to say, who am I? I know that I am William Rochelle Durham's daughter, but who is Tabitha? You know, I know who they created me to be, who they trained me to be, who they raised me to be, who they prayed I would be. But who am I for real? Who am I for me? And now, who am I for my community? Who am I for my organization? Who am I for my husband? Who am I for my daughter? That's a whole process. And it takes that learning and ongoing and unlearning and identifying and spending time with myself to even figure any of that out consistently and be good at it. Okay. And be good at it. (laughs) That's amazing. Oh my God. You've given us so many gems today. Like I don't even, I started taking notes and I was like, I'm just going to listen to this again. (laughs) Because there's just so much in there for any of you all who are listening Um, Now is the time. If you have a question or you have a comment or you're just loving this, go ahead and hit like, share, thumbs up, rating, review, all of that right now. Because what you're doing at this moment is borrowing 10,000 hours. And in another setting, you may not get this opportunity. So go ahead and bookmark this this podcast uh leave a review tell us how you what you think of it um and tabitha if you could please uh, i don't want to keep you too long but if you have a thought exercise for us something that um allows you or you gave us the two the two major keys which is uh flexibility and humility um but for you personally you're getting up and you're getting around you're encountering challenges you're 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 very deep into the community Um, What has been something that you continue to employ that helps you stay centered, that helps you stay grounded, that helps you stay objective and clear so that you can be a good mom, a good wife, a good executive, a good leader, a good community partner? Like there's a lot of hats. 
how does one stay on track with all of those things? If you have a thought reflection for us, I mean, a thought exercise for us, um, I would love to hear it. Okay. So what I want everybody to do is I am going to time a 15 second pause. And then I'm going to talk to you about why we did that. So you guys are going to hear his background music, but neither of us are going to be talking. So everybody just take a deep breath and we're going to do a pause. Okay. All right. So I pause. I have had to learn how to do this. I'm being so honest. I have to practice some mindfulness and connecting myself with just myself because I have a hard time shutting off my brain. As you said, I do a hundred million thousand things in addition to being a mom, being a wife, being a community leader, my employment, uh, extracurriculars, you know, my sorority, all these things. And then in all those things, I have some leadership positions. So I've had to learn how to be mindful and take a pause. I spend time being quiet, eliminating the noise. Um, we might use the term meditate. We might also use the time prayer. Um, I do a little bit of journaling as I talked about earlier and even some adult coloring, super soothing. Don't think it's cheesy. I promise you get an adult coloring book. It will change your life. But I just <laughs> encourage people in this moment to just pause. And if that 15 seconds was painful for you to just listen to his background music, you need it. I had to learn the hard way that I was running myself down and running myself in the ground and serving every single person around me but me. And don't don't get me wrong, I probably still do that, but every single night after my husband and my daughter go to bed, I spend probably an hour quietly downstairs in my house either doing something or doing nothing, maybe surfing the net, maybe reading a book, maybe quietly watching a TV show, maybe doing nothing in the dark. Most nights I do that. I take a pause. So so today I want to leave people with figure out how to take a pause because running yourself ragged for your employment or whatever else, what I mean, does anyone care? <laughs> I mean, if I don't care about me, who actually cares about me? I have a lot of those moments where I'm like, no one cares, Tabitha. Pull yourself up together, sister, because no one cares if you don't care to take a moment and rest and to take a pause. And so I'm going to leave people with find your pause, whatever that means to you. Find your pause. Oof, that's amazing. That's like a book title. <laughs> that might be a future book. Don't steal that, anybody. <laughs> yeah, don't steal that. We've got to buy the domain right now. You know, <laughs> thank you so much. That's so good. I think, you know, I've been building a business for officially for 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 uh, this is going to be the second year. I'm actually going through all of the, the motions. Right. Because before you can kind of move how you want to as a solopreneur. And it really doesn't you know, you just kind of hustling. Nothing wrong with that. But I want to go farther than that. And what mm -hmm. I'm learning is that most of those 
actions, those outward actions may be unnecessary. Mm. If you are able to check in with yourself and determine what the actual one move is. And so finding a pause has been kind of the theme for this year. I started last year doing a lot of like I get up really early and I do my prayer and meditation and I go to the gym and I listen to books and stuff while I'm doing all of that. And that truly has moved things that I couldn't touch. Like, it's just weird. It's, it sounds funny. It sounds like woo-woo or whatever. But it's, it's really very important. And so you saying that, you know, it's validating for me because that's really what I'm focusing on. It's like, how do I do less and impact more? Ooh, how do I good. do less and make more? That's good. You know, like, because if you think about it, super people who are super well off and things like that, some of them don't do much at all. They ain't right. doing nothing. You know, because they've mastered this process that you're talking about is finding the pause, finding what actually needs done. And so um, that is just incredible. Tabitha, thank you so much for being here. How can people find you in interact with uh, the why, interact with you, um, send you notes and tell you how amazing you are because you just blew everyone's mind? Like, how do how do we do that? So I am on Facebook, as antiquated as people might feel like that is, <laughs> as well as Instagram. Um, I also am on Snapchat. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Snapchat for fun. <laughs> I used to have a Twitter account. It's still active, but I just look on Twitter. So I'm all over. And then I'm at the Jackson Layman Y locally. Uh, You can Google me and find me there. I'm always down for a chat, a coaching conversation, a mentoring conversation, a cup of coffee. So definitely I am pretty easy to find and I don't mind people reaching out. Um, Sometimes after I speak at events and things, people will reach out and I'll do a little session with them. So absolutely reach out if anyone wants to chat following this conversation. That is awesome. Okay, y'all, you're at your marching orders. Um, I will put the links for how to reach uh, Tabitha in the show notes and that way you guys have an even easier way of connecting with her this was fabulous I'm so incredibly grateful is there anything you want to say before we shut it out I just appreciate your work and what you're doing as I said before we were recording um, I do my research so I got on and checked out the podcast and followed it and I was just really pleased that you are so far along and that you've had some amazing guests so I just want to say thank you for calling me me (laughs) and I'm super proud of you because these podcasts are amazing I listened to two yesterday and I'm just blown away I'm going to go backtrack and listen to some more so thank you for having me absolutely thank you so much for being here y'all make sure you follow miss tabitha irving and um enjoy this podcast play it back you're going to maybe need to take a couple notes i know i certainly am because again you know this type of connection and 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 dialogue you may not be able to find readily available in your area that's the gift of podcasting you can binge other people's personality and their mindset and the way that they get things done so take advantage of that okay thank you all so much for listening i will talk to you all super soon peace thanks for listening to empower you podcast 
don't forget to rate and review this episode because we would love to hear your takeaways from this discussion. And it helps us reach more listeners just like you. If you'd like daily audio video clips from the podcast, you can find Empower You Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.